Isn't it good to know that when you're in Christ Jesus, nothing can tear you away? Amen? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we are starting a new series this morning. It is not in a specific book. I I typically like to preach through books of the Bible, but um, we, over the next 10 to 12 weeks, we won't be in a specific uh, one book, uh, but I believe uh, it is a series that all of us will really enjoy, but more than that, I believe it is a series that can allow us as a church to grow in our doctrine. Uh, doctrine is uh, a, a term that maybe you might not be familiar with, but it's a, it's a term that basically is what do you believe? What is your doctrine? What is the faith that you believe? What is true about the scriptures? What is your doctrine? If someone were to come to you and say, what do you believe about this or that? If you don't have a strong doctrine and theology, the study of God, uh, you won't know how to answer that. And when um, false prophets and false gospels come into your ears, you will begin to believe those things because you do not have, we may not have a strong doctrine. Uh, You and I need to know what we believe, amen? We need to know what we believe. You see in Galatians, if you're in Sunday school, uh, Paul is preaching about their doctrine. He's saying, look, this is not the teachings I taught you. And so in uh, in the next 10 to 12 weeks, I say 10 to 12 weeks because it may last 12, it may last 10, I'm not exactly sure about that. I want us to walk through uh, the articles of faith. And I'll tell you about that, more about that in just a minute. But in Matthew chapter 16, uh, we see a wonderful story. And the title of this series is called Firmly Rooted. Firmly Rooted. We want to be firmly rooted in the scriptures, firmly rooted in the doctrine of the scriptures. Everything we believe as a church must come from the scriptures. I've had conversations this week and uh, even Wednesday that the importance of having strong biblical doctrine in your own life, in the life of your family, in the life of our churches. And the reason is because the devil, Satan himself, is the king of chaos, Uh, His goal is to bring chaos and confusion into your life. That's what he does. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, is the, the prince of confusion. And what he wants to do is cause you and I to be confused. He wants us as a church to be confused about what is the main thing of the gospel, the main thing of the goal and the commission of the church. And here's what I believe, and I told the staff this, I believe with all my heart, reluctantly with all my heart, I believe the devil is causing some confusion in some of our families. I believe that Satan is causing some chaos in some of our families, in our church. I don't know that for 100% fact, but here's what I trust. I trust discernment, and I trust Holy Spirit discernment, and I just feel in my spirit that there are families in our faith family that the devil is causing some confusion. He's causing some chaos. You know what that starts to breed? Well, maybe we ought to try somewhere else. Maybe this is not the place for us. Let's start pulling back and 
just go ahead and back on out of this thing. Look at all the circumstances around in my life. Let me back on out of church and maybe some of this will settle down. I just believe the devil's up to no good. I believe he's up to no good all the time. And you better be watchful. You better be praying. You better be prayed up every morning. So I'm going to walk through articles of faith. But in Matthew chapter 16, we see a wonderful story. Leading up to this, Jesus' ministry, he's full speed in his ministry. People are following him by the hundreds, even the thousands. He is healing people. You turn back and look at all the the miracles he's performed, he's feeding the 5,000, he's walking on water, he's healing people that have been uh, diseased for all of their life, he's feeding the 4,000, he's doing so much. And people are beginning to follow this man named Jesus. They not necessarily believe in just who he is, but they see what he's doing, and they're following him, and they're wanting to know what's next, what's next, what is he going to do next? And you can't blame them, can you? When you hear about a man walking on water, I've never seen or heard about somebody walking on water. And if that's the one that's, I'm going to follow him just to see what he might do next. And I know my friend over here, he was lame. My other friend, he was blind and deaf, but I know now they can see, hear, and walk. And it's because of that dude named Jesus. So I'm going to follow him just in case I need something from him. And so they come into Caesarea Philippi, and we read in Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. If you'll stand with me as we read together God's Word, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. He just had another uh, bout with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then as they come into the region of Caesarea Philippi, the Bible says, Matthew 16, 13, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Obviously referring to himself. And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And so Jesus says, Well, Who do they think I am? They're all following us. Obviously, you guys aren't the only one following us anymore. There's thousands of people walking with us. You know, you're close to them. They're your cousins and friends and family members. Who do they say I am? And they say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're the prophets. You're Elijah, Jeremiah. And then Jesus says, but you, he asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, because Simon Peter always answers. <laughs> Sometimes it's good. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. And he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that it is our confession today that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
Lord, that to us you're not just a teacher. You're not just a rabbi. You're not just a figure in a historical book. But you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And I pray that is who you are in every heart in this room. Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, obviously, Jesus had heard that some folks were confused about who he was. Uh, Who are you? Who is this guy? And Jesus, as they travel around, you know, some people don't know how to whisper. You know those folks? They don't know how to whisper, you know. They just, they, you know, they think they're whispering, but 20 people around them in a four-mile radius can hear them, you know. Who is, who is this guy? I bet he's Jeremiah. I tell you, I bet that's who he is. Well, you know, I heard, <laughs> I saw on Facebook that he's Elijah. That's who I thought he was. Well, no, that's not who he is. One of the priests said he's John the Baptist. I bet that's who he is, John the Baptist. And so, you know, Jesus has heard some of this, and now he goes to his disciples and says, Hey, guys, who do they say I am? Who do they say I am the Son of Man is? Who who are they saying? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. They, some say one of the prophets, Jeremiah or Elijah or any of the other prophets. They are holding Jesus in high esteem. At least they're doing that. Uh, they are following him. They're listening to him. They are comparing Jesus and ranking him with some of the great prophets, Elijah and Jeremiah. But they have failed to see Jesus for who he really is. They have failed to see Jesus for who he really is, that he even gives his own description as the Son of Man, the Son of the living God. They even thought Jesus was John the Baptist. They are holding him to high esteem and giving him some honor in that form, but they are not seeing Jesus for who he really is. They are comparing Jesus to sinful men. They got Jesus wrong, basically. And when we get Jesus wrong, we get life wrong. When we get Jesus wrong, we get church wrong. Dads, husbands, when you get Jesus wrong, you get your family wrong. And they got Jesus wrong. May we not get Jesus wrong today. Jesus finally asked Peter, who do you think I am? Guys, who do you think I am? And Peter gives the ultimate confession of our faith. The confession of the hope that we have, Peter says, well, that's easy. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. That's who you are. You're a prophet like no other. You're a teacher like no other. You're a rabbi like no other. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. God in the flesh, that's who you are. You are God with us and it's on that confession and in that confession that has preserved the church even until today thousands of years later and listen it is on that same confession that the church will be preserved for thousands of years to come apart from the second coming of Jesus there's no other confession that has held together the church like that confession it is on that confession that Jesus He's not just a prophet. He's not just a rabbi. 
He's not just a vending machine that when you need to be healed, you go to him and get what you need and walk away from him. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God, God in the flesh. That's who he is. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. That's who he is. He's King Jesus. And it's on that confession that will preserve you for all eternity. It's on that confession that will preserve me and the church for thousands of years to come and for all eternity. Listen, it is on that confession that Eastaboga Baptist Church has been established. So much so on that confession, Jesus says, I, on you, uh, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Not on Peter, but on the confession that Peter has made. He's not building his church on somebody, but Jesus is building his church on the confession. He's not building his church on you. He's not building his church on me. And most of our churches today operate on the fact that God is building his church on them. They, make the, they call the shots. They run the show. They say what's going to happen in that church. They operate everything, and they leave God out of it. That's not where God's operating. God's building his church on the confession that Jesus is the son of the living God. God don't need you to build a church. He's got Jesus. And he's building the church on Jesus. So dear brother, dear sister, get yourself out of the way. Let Jesus work. Man, let him move in your life. Let him move in our churches. We just have a confession just last week of one of our churches closing its doors. Been a church for nearly 100 years, is that right? Something like that? Nearly 100 years. What happened? What happened? I bet they're sweet people. I know they are. But at some point, at some point, we got away from the confession. And we began inward. May we not get away from the confession. It's the only hope we have as a church. East Aboga was founded. Listen to this. It's wonderful. This church, East Aboga Baptist Church, was founded on November 7, 1835. November 7, 1835. It was established as Salem Baptist Church. Many of you didn't know that. If you've taken one-on-one in the last two years, you know that. Salem Baptist Church. Many say, and we can pretty much pinpoint it, that the church was down Curry Station Road, if you know where that is. There's an old cemetery, Salem Cemetery. And it's said that that's where the church established on November 7, 1835. In 1869, the church moved to this location in 1869. The old white church is, was, if you walk in these glass doors coming from the gathering place, when you walk in, you see an old Bible. Many of you have seen that. Up th- that Bible says Salem Baptist Church. That's why it says Salem Baptist Church. is one of the original Bibles. Now, I don't know if it's how original, but don't touch it. It'll fall up. Don't open the thing, okay? I see some of y'all walking by opening the, opening the we're going to lock. I shouldn't have told you that that thing opens. Don't, don't. But that is Salem Baptist. Please don't open that. Please don't. I mean, listen, I've done messed up now. Don't open that thing. Uh, it is fragile, okay? Fragile. It is fragile. 
Salem Baptist Church, right above that Bible, there's an old picture of what is called, what everybody refers to as what? The old white church. The old white church, it sat almost where the old sanctuary is now. It faced that way because that's where the road was. Faced that way is the old white church. 1869, the church moved from Salem, we're over in that general area, to this location. I've tried to find out why. Why did it move? And the only thing we can come up with this uh, was East Aboga. Now it's called Old East Aboga. There used to be a school that sat right in this parking lot. There was a school there. Across the street, there was a post office and a store. Uh, and eventually, when the railroad came in, the uh, East Aboga moved toward the railroad. Now, it's not much still. I get it. Still got a post office and a store. We hadn't, we hadn't advanced much, have we? That's okay, though. Got the East Aboga Walmart now. Dollar General. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you live around here, you love that Dollar General, don't you? Hey, we love the DG. I like it. And so that is now East Aboga. This is old East Aboga. The only thing we can come up with, I can, maybe some of you know better, that the church moved in this location because there was a post office, uh, a store, and those type of things right here. So in 1869, 1928, the name changed from Salem Baptist Church to East Aboga Baptist to bear the name of the community it's meant to serve. And this November, on November 7, the church will celebrate its 183rd birthday. Isn't that cool? 183 years old, East Aboga Baptist Church. And listen, the goal and the hope of the church has not changed. It's still the same. When we started to do this project, uh, at the gym project, by the way, uh, man, it's looking wonderful. Goodness gracious, it's looking so good down there. Praise the Lord for it. When we started to do that project, the, the bank needed some documentation. And uh, I didn't know where it was, and I didn't ask the right people uh, in the beginning. Uh, you know, us men can be hard-headed sometimes. I'll find it on my own. And then uh, if I had asked the right people, they know where it is. And I didn't do that. But I'm kind of thankful because I started looking around. And we have a safe. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a safe. Most of y'all probably know anyway. The people that know how to get in still can't get in it. They text me, how do I get in this? We have a safe. And I began to fill around, look in that safe. That paper that I was looking for wasn't in there. It was the uh, article of incorporation for the church. wasn't in there. Well, I began to fumble around around there, and I found something. And uh, Ben's going to bring it in here, and I want to show you something. This is cool. Listen, I'm telling you, this is really neat. When I pulled this out from behind this safe, uh, I was shocked at what I found. Um, and I was just so surprised, so I've kept it pretty safe, and uh, I've had it um, framed. And so I want to I show you uh, what I found. I pulled two pieces of paper from behind this safe. Please, Lord, don't let me drop this. Please. Um, I pulled two pieces of paper out from behind that safe. The first one is the Articles of Faith, the original Articles of Faith, dated at the top, November 7, 1835. Isn't that amazing? I got chills just thinking about it. Isn't that cool? That's really neat, isn't it? 
the original, when the church was, the day the church was founded as Salem Baptist Church, November 7, 1835, this was written. It's got names on the bottom, and I had them put a hole in the back because it's got names on the back of those that helped write it. Some of those names would be William Henry. No, Henry Williams, sorry. <laughs> Henry Williams and Miss, um, I think it's uh, Eliza, I think that's what it is, Miss Eliza Williams, Sister something Williams, Sister Samantha Woodward, uh, there's a, uh, looks like a John um, Howell maybe, a Mary Jane Howell, and besides some of them it says expelled October 1874. <laughs> I think I know what that means, okay? <laughs> I think I know. I don't think they were kicked out of the church. I don't think that means. One of them says ex excluded July 1876. I think I know what that means. They went on into glory. So, <laughs> Articles of Faith, original Articles of Faith, 1835. The second piece of paper I found together with it was the original church covenant on the same day. Isn't that cool? This is really neat, by the way. So what I did was I took this and obviously had it framed and it's protected. It's UV protected glass, museum glass. This baby is sealed. I mean, no humidity can get in it. Praise God. Nothing is going to bother this other than, you know, my kid or your kid trying to pick it up and uh, dropping it. Praise, let's don't let that happen. But we're going to hang this up. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to show you this. And here's why. Because for in, at no, on November 7, coming up, for 183 years, it is on the confession of these people that has kept this church for 183 years. And it's on these articles of faith that we will hold true to. It's on these articles of faith that if we will press on and press forward and abide and stick to the articles of faith of the original articles of faith of the church, we will continue on for another, another 183 years. Amen? And so I want to read these for you. It took a little, a little while for me to... Uh, decipher some of the language but I love the language and it's in your worship guide the articles of faith we had it typed out so you can read I want to go over these articles of faith and for the next 10 to 12 weeks I want to preach through these articles of faith here's what this means and I believe this will cause us to have a great deep doctrine uh, so we can continue to press on look at article number one we believe in one only true and living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that these three are one. There's a reason why that's first. Because when you get, if you get that wrong, you'll get everything else wrong. If you don't know who God is, you'll get every one of them wrong. Now, the language in here is just like it is. On, we didn't change any of it, okay? Article of faith number two. We believe the scriptures to be the word of God and that they are the only rule of faith and practice. Amen? What is the only rule of faith and practice? The Scriptures, the Bible, not Facebook, uh, not our, uh, our uh, political views, not our, uh, uh, what our heart is leading us to do, but it's the Scriptures, the Word of God. They are the only rule of faith and practice. 
Number three, we believe in the fall of Adam in which he became corrupted, defiled, and guilty under the curse of God's law and that all his posterity have partaken of his nature by ordinary generation and are subject to the same penalties being under the same curse and that he nor they are able to extricate themselves therefrom by their own works. There's a lot there. But it's true. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible teaches. We are under Adam's curse. Number four, we believe in a covenant of grace in which the salvation of the church of Christ is secured. Amen. That's what the choir sang about. Nothing can take me away from your love, Lord. Number five, We believe in the doctrine of election according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. We believe that God in his sovereignty and the foreknowledge of who God is. We believe in the doctrine of election according to the foreknowledge of God. Number six, we believe in the doctrine of justification by faith that we are only saved by faith. That's how we're saved. We're not saved any way else. We're only saved by faith. And listen, if you'll come tonight, to church tonight, yeah, we have church tonight, community groups, if you'll come tonight, Zach Van Giesen will be preaching on that very same subject, on justification by faith. We are saved by faith. Number seven, we believe that God's elect are called, regenerated, and born again, and that they will never fall away, but be effectually saved, being kept by the power of God through faith, until salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Amen. Amen for that. Number eight, we believe that good works are the fruits of faith and follow justification and are signs of our gracious state. Good works are not saving faith, but good works are the fruits of faith and they follow sanct- uh, sanctification, justification, excuse me. They follow justification. So you're saved, and then good works follow that to basically prove all that. Say, I'm saved. Number nine, we believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances of Jesus Christ given to the church, and that no one has a right to no one has a right to them but believers, and that no one has a right to administer them but ordained ministers who have themselves been baptized. Those are the two ordinances of the church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we believe those to be true. Number 10, we believe that immersion only is baptism. That's why we're called Baptist. Baptism, baptizo, the Greek translation. To dip under is what that means, baptizo. Number 11, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and an eternal judgment. You know what that means? Everybody will live for eternity somewhere, somewhere. Number 12, this one's been on my mind and heart for weeks now. We believe that the punishment of the wicked and the joys of the righteous will be eternal. You know what that means? That apart from Christ, you will spend eternity in eternal punishment. For all eternity, it never ends. But the joys of the righteous, those who are in Christ, will spend eternity with Christ, amen, with the Lord, in heaven, uh, away from eternal punishment. In the coming weeks and a couple months, I will be preaching through every one of those. 
And the reason is, is not to put uh, so much, um, uh, so many accolades on those that wrote it. But those that wrote these original articles of faith, all of this comes straight from the Scriptures. They come straight from God's Word. And so if we will follow the Scriptures and follow God's Word, listen, we won't get this thing wrong. We won't get it wrong. But if we'll stick to the Scriptures, and I believe if we'll go back to our roots and go back to the day the church was founded, November 7, 1835, And if we'll stick to these 12 articles of faith, then I believe God will honor it. And I believe we'll begin to see a movement and that every pew is filled in this first service. And that every pew is filled in our 11 o'clock service. And that God will cause us to do something else. That we'll just keep pressing on. Amen? Keep pressing on. Why? Because of number 12, the punishment of the wicked is eternal. It's eternal. Listen, you and I need to know that if people die without Jesus, they will go to hell. They will go to hell. The Bible says that. Listen, just because the church is certainly established, I would say we're established 183 years, just because we're established, it doesn't mean that the work is complete. We must press on. Just because we have now gone to two services, Sunday school attendance is at an all-time high. God's doing things here that that many people over 100 years, 183 years have been praying for. Man, God's moving. He is moving in people's lives. Salvations are happening. And the the joy of the Lord is real. And man, God's doing some great things. But just because of all of that, just because this church is established, it doesn't mean we give up. It doesn't mean we slow down. But we press on. We press on with what? We press on with a confession. The same confession that those men and women made. The same confession that Peter made to Jesus that day. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And if we'll press on every day with that same confession, then I believe God will honor that. And I believe God will continue to bless East Toboga Baptist Church. And I believe God will continue to do things that we could have never imagined God could do in little old East Aboga, Alabama. I often have people say, well, brother, when I tell them where I am, I oft, a lot of times I don't even tell people I'm the pastor because I'm tired of getting that, oh, really? <laughs> you? <laughs> well, my, my. So I just say, well, I'm Mike. I go out to East Aboga Baptist Church. And you know a lot of times what they say? I've heard a lot of good things about that place. Boy, isn't that, a good, isn't, that, isn't that good to hear that? I've asked about other churches and I've heard this. Well, that's a terrible place. About other places. But I think it's a good thing when people say, I've heard a lot of good things about that place. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe we've got people in this church that love the Lord. They love Jesus. And the only thing they care about is the advancement of Jesus. And the only thing they care about is the advancement of the gospel. And the only thing they care about is that God will do that through the local church of East Aboga Baptist Church. Listen, we keep keeping the main thing the main thing. And God's going to be honored by that. 
You press on with the confession of the hope that we have. You tell people about that confession. And maybe you here this morning, maybe you have never made that confession. Maybe you today cannot say that in your own life, Jesus is the Son of the living God. That will only happen through the Father. You see, Jesus responded in verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. You know what that means? God reached down into their life and gave them faith. And through faith in God's grace, they were saved. And so maybe you're here this morning and you cannot make that same confession. Listen, it will never happen just because I'm telling you about Jesus. It will only happen if God reaches down and saves you today. And that you'll walk out of here saying, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Would you repent today? Turn to Jesus today? He's calling. The invitation is already there. You look to the cross and it's empty. You look to the tomb and it's empty. Jesus says, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. So there's your invitation. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we are all here because of the men and women over the 183 years that have stood strong and firm on the confession of the Scriptures. Did they always get it right? No. Lord, will we always get it right? No. But God, by your grace, because of your grace, Lord, this church, this body of believers, this faith family, not the building, but the people have been preserved this long. And Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room and everyone that will be in the 11 o'clock service and every person in nursery, every person listening online, Lord, that we would step up God, we would get in line, and Lord, we would march to the orders of the Scriptures. And God, we will say, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we will abide by the Scriptures. We will walk in the Scriptures. Lord, help us as a church to press on. Listen, you may be here this morning, and you cannot make that confession. I'm begging you today, this morning, right where you are, right where you are, to make that confession right now. To confess Jesus as Lord, I believe. Listen, I believe the Holy Spirit is working in some hearts right now. I can sense it. I can see it. Would you let them? Would you let them? Hold to that confession. Trust in Jesus. In a moment, we'll stand and sing. We call it an invitation. I'll be down front. Other pastors will be down front. We're inviting you to Jesus. Come and make that confession. Come down and say, I want to make the confession that Jesus is Lord. He is my Messiah, the Son of the living God. Do you need that today? Maybe you're hurting this morning. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. Maybe life's been difficult. And I know for a lot of people in this room, it has. I've talked to you. But Jesus is not just the Messiah. He doesn't just save you. But he will give you rest. He'll give you peace. And maybe you just need to come and pray. And pray that God would give you that peace you need in the midst of that storm. That he'll walk with you. He'll carry you. And maybe you're praying for someone else. Maybe you know somebody that needs Jesus. Would you come and pray for them? The greatest thing you can do for them is pray for them. Because God has to save them. Would you come and beg and plead with the Lord that he would do that? Father, have your way, Lord, like never before. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us?